I think the part that drew me in the most is like the mental component. Like Mm -hmm. when you do a marathon, you have people cheering and you have your home to go to, you have a shower, Mm -hmm. you have food that's, and when you're out on an ocean, you have none of that. So I, Mm -hmm. I feel like I wanted something that required me to dig deeper than I had before. Like there was no escape. There was no other option, but to keep going. And sometimes when you give yourself this option of like, what's the exit strategy you take, Mm -hmm. but but I, I think the row really forced me to kind of, yeah, see and what we, we are capable of doing. And I think that is something that is life for everyone, just constantly uncovering and discovering what we can and can't do. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. In this episode, I sit down with Katie Spots, who is an impressive ultra endurance athlete who's undertaken some incredible adventures across the globe to help raise funds for clean water and sanitation in underserved communities. Just a few highlights. At age 22, she rode solo across the Atlantic Ocean in 70 days, becoming the youngest person ever to do so. In 2020, she became the first person to run 138 miles nonstop in 33 hours across the state of Maine. And also, by the way, in the process of training for this, she became the first woman to run across the entire states of Vermont and New Hampshire. She was also the first person to swim the length of the Allegheny River at 325 miles. She's cycled across the country. She's completed five Ironman triathlons and countless marathons. Her next adventure will take her cycling across the coastline of Maine, 308 miles from the Canadian border to New Hampshire. I was excited to sit down with Katie and learn more about her motivation for taking on these challenges and what helps her persevere in times of great adversity. We also talked about how she's grown as a person through her experiences and how she's learned to find deeper meaning and fulfillment beyond her endurance accomplishments. Before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm super excited to be here with Katie Spots. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you so much for uh, having me. Um, so just to start off with, you've obviously accomplished some incredible feats of endurance. And I have always said the thought of even running a marathon terrifies me. So I cannot even start to wrap my head around some of the things that you've done. Um, and I have so many questions for you, but I thought we could start with just how did you start to realize that you had this passion for endurance challenges and start to set your sights on some of these incredible feats? So, um, Yeah, like I never imagined that I would be doing endurance. And like as a kid growing up, I was more um, about like fun and adventure. I wasn't that competitive. And um, I had to take a gym class um, to get my high school diploma. Like I was doing this post-secondary enrollment option And so I needed to take a gym class and I was just like, okay, I just want an easy A 
So I saw a walking <laughs> running class. Okay. I was, I mean, I was like trying to, te- I was trying to like get it waved, like <laughs> yeah. anything to get out of this class. <laughs> but then like, I'm like, fine, then I'll walk. I was trying to put in the least amount of effort. And right. then once everyone else is running and you're the one walking, it was just, <laughs> okay, I guess, I guess I'll try running. And um, it wasn't something that I immediately loved, but it was definitely something I was immediately like surprised by, like, okay, because I went from, I never thought I could to, wow, our bodies are capable. We can do these things. And it's not just like, I didn't know anyone who would do that for fun. I didn't even <laughs> like the, the idea of going out of your way to, to run in circles was just like <laughs> me. And so um, it wasn't something I, I even knew my body was capable of, of, of doing. So. Wow. That, and you were how old at this time? I was uh, 17. Okay. So it's not like you grew up doing a lot of endurance events, swimming or running or doing cross country or any of those things. No, no, I definitely had a lot of energy, like just climbing and getting, mm-hmm. you know, climbing trees and doing things like that. But I, I, it wasn't really directed in any, any way. Okay. So after you finished this class and you're like, hmm, maybe this is kind of interesting. Like, how did it go from doing this class and thinking running was okay to now I'm going to do a marathon or, you know, row across the Atlantic? Yeah. So I set a target the week after to try to run two miles. And so that was like, wow, I can't believe it. Like, and so like now when people say just a mile, just two (laughs) miles, like when I did my first two mile run, I felt like it was like a rocky moment. Like, mm-hmm. like I, <laughs> I, I was like legitimately celebrating every milestone. Like it was like, it was doing a marathon. So yeah. um, I would add a little bit more. And the first time I ran 10 miles was when I was like, wow, maybe I can do a marathon. Maybe it is mm-hmm. possible. And so, um, it was maybe within six months or that I, 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 I did do my, my first marathon. So then once you see all these other people doing it, it just kind of fueled the fire of like, wow, there's, I never thought I could do this. And, and it, it proves, I proved myself wrong. What else is the thing? What are the other things that I'm telling myself I can't do that Mm -hmm. maybe I can so that led to biking across America, um, it's, uh, running the Mojave Desert, and and the row was again more or less a, a just a chance encounter that I was sitting on a bus in Australia, and someone mentioned that their friend had just rode across the Atlantic, mm-hmm. and that was it wasn't like an immediate oh, I I have to do that. But it was definitely an immediate, like, first of all, I didn't even believe it was possible. Like I didn't even know know people did that. (laughs) I never, because we got on the topic of endurance challenges and I, I kind of, I felt like it was just like, oh, we're going to talk about 
cycling around the world and climbing <laughs> Mount Everest and doing mm-hmm. the AT and like all the things that you talk about when you talk about endurance and um but that one just caught me so off guard and um it was something I could never forget so that turned into like you know, looking online and looking at other people and what they did. And then it started with emailing them. And, um, and then it became like imagining what it would be like, like, man, what would you see? You know, Mm -hmm. what would you? And it, I think that the part that drew me in the most is like the mental component. Like, Mm -hmm. when you do a marathon, you have people cheering and you have your home to go to, you have a shower, mm-hmm. you have food that's, and, and when you're out on an ocean, you have none of that. So I, mm-hmm. I feel like I wanted something that required me to dig deeper than I had before. Um, like there was no escape, there was no other option, but to keep going. And sometimes when you give yourself this option of like, what's the exit strategy you take, mm-hmm. it, but but I, I think the row really forced me to kind of, yeah, see and what we, we are capable of doing. And I think that is something that is life for everyone, just constantly uncovering and discovering what we can and can't do. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. So at this time, like when you were sitting on the bus in Australia, had you ever even rode before? and so then you get to this like research phase and looking at it deciding like at what point I mean what point did you decide yes this is something I want to do and then what obviously there's so many aspects to this there's the physical there's you said the mental there's the the elements like being alone for so long and figuring out how to fuel yourself how how did you start to even approach training for that and over what time period did you train before you actually went did it So I will say that, um, like I have done several Ironmans and Mm -hmm. I can train 20 hours a week with the ocean row. I had most of the time was not training. It was Mm -hmm. like the logistics, making sure like I could be the most fit person in the world, but without a rowboat, I'm not going to make it (laughs) not going very far. (laughs) <laughs> so for me, the main priority was, are all the pieces in play to even get to the start line? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was a, uh, it was like my junior year. And so I, I, I did it like right after graduating from college. So um, one of the things that I did in preparation was like, I, I studied business. And so I even put together like a business plan. And like, uh-huh. I, I like that part of it. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of planning and um, thinking and uh, strategy. And like, I, I, that was my, my first step, I, I think it would be hard not to, like, do that before. Mm-hmm. And of course, I never knew what was going to happen. And um with, with, in terms of like sponsors and, but, but for me, it it gave me a a bit of a sense of like control over something that you have very little control Mm -hmm. over just kind of, yeah, just putting the word out there and um, 
So two years is, is what it took. To wow. Do. Wow. And I think, you know, a lot of my audience here, um, are people who do CrossFit and probably our exposure to rowing is on a, on a, on an erg, you know, that's not in the water that doesn't have oars and probably the longest distance we've seen in the CrossFit games one year, there was a half marathon row. And then a couple of years later, they did a marathon row, which just seemed to like blow everybody's mind to row for, you know, a couple hours. And so like just imagining rowing, what did you row like 10 or 12 hours a day for 70 days is just an incredible feat of physical strength, let alone all the other um, ways that it challenged you. I mean, it was a good sport to be doing all day in turn versus, you know, I've done biking all day, running all day, swimming all day. Mm -hmm. Swimming would be another good, like if you wanted to do one sport all day, because it gets your, like your, I think the, in terms of injury, running, then maybe cycling just because I don't know any cyclist that hasn't gotten an accident Mm -hmm. and rowing and then maybe swimming, but Mm -hmm. like you're using your, your, I mean, that's one thing that people would be like, like, wow, your arms must've been jacked. I was like, (laughs) if you're you're rowing, you're using your legs and your back (laughs) as you're using your arms, you're not rowing correctly. But (laughs) I, I think if I did have a rowing background, um, it would have been very frustrating because the best way to describe ocean rowing is trying to row while like riding a bull, like Mm -hmm. completely unstable. It's not like when you see rowing, like it's flat water, it's Mm -hmm. graceful, everything's in sync and it's definitely not like that. But yeah, I, I did do CrossFit for um, like, for in the winter, just when I was doing the Ironmans and mm-hmm. we had to do some rowing and like one of the instructors didn't know about my background. He's like, Oh, you look like you could row. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I've done a fair amount. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I, yeah. That's so great. Um, how did you prepare for some of the, the mental challenges of it? Like one, knowing you're going to be alone that whole time and and preparing for the elements or being, you know, the, the different aspects of being in nature and in the ocean. Um, what were some of the ways that you tried to prepare for that part? So I did, um, work with a sports psychologist and Mm -hmm. that was really helpful to kind of, um, imagine what could go wrong. And, um, I think the hardest thing, wasn't necessarily the solitude it was like embarking on a journey that like as a young person I definitely had fears and I don't think there were irrational fears but fears of death like I was those are very rational fears yeah (laughs) (laughs) going out in the ocean by yourself (laughs) so I was very aware and like I think the hardest part of that journey was like, you know, some of the hard moments were at the Cleveland Hopkins airport when I was, my whole family was there. And mm-hmm. and then I went to the other side of the gate and then we all just kept, we all looked back because we're yeah. like, okay, we're just like trying to take that mental picture because you don't know if that's like the last one. And yeah, I think wow. it was really hard 
for any of my family to be in Africa and, and to leave. So mm -hmm. um, that was really like the, the more challenging part mentally was like, you know, heading into going into a situation that you didn't know that if you would come back from. And then the, once I was out there, I think we just adjust and adapt so like naturally that like things become the norm. And I think loneliness is often felt around people more than it is while alone. Like mm -hmm. I've felt lonely before traveling to countries that I didn't speak the language and everyone's like together mm -hmm. with their families or something like that. But because I intentionally put myself in that situation, it, it wasn't, it really wasn't that lonely. Um, it was definitely overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, at times, but it was also really fun. Like it was like National Geographic, like <laughs> personal with dolphins and wildlife and sunsets and like, it was definitely a, a privilege to be able to experience that. That's amazing. Um, what was, so just hearing you talk about like, you know, having to leave your family and like facing some of those fears of, you know, you know, the worst possible scenario, you know, a lot of people would take that and say, okay, I don't really need to take this risk and go for this challenge. But what was it within you that, that said, no, I really need to do this. Or why, why did you decide to, to move forward with something that you knew had risk or when you felt these fears coming up? Uh, well, I, I first have to say, I wish that it worked like that for me. Like I so tried to talk myself out of it. I so tried to rationalize how like crazy of an idea it was. Like I, I mean, the last American woman who did a, a solo row across the Atlantic she failed and she was an Olympic rower. It took her mm -hmm. three tries to make it across. And like, I just, that trying three times. And like, I already knew that like the odds were not in my favor. Like, um, but I, I, I did ignore it. I did stuff it away, but it, it, it became a situation where it was like, I, I, I had the choice between just doing it or regretting it the rest of mm -hmm. my life. I just, I don't think I could have just walked away and not felt that nagging feeling like that's what you should be doing. And so I, I think it was like a call and mm -hmm. a call on my life to, to do it. Um, wow. Can you take us through what the experience was like, like on a typical day when you're out in the middle of the ocean? Um, just, yeah. What, I mean, what did you eat? Like, what did you see? What did you do? Did you have any contact or communication with people back home? How did it go? I, I didn't have like a follow boat and I didn't see any other people one day on day, like 74, there was like a fishing vessel that came by um but i had a satellite phone so i was able to do some blogging and like some schools were following and i could upload blogs and some photos and so um a typical day like when you're on a rowboat there's really not 
anything else to do but row. (laughs) Yeah. I would be rowing, yeah, about 10 to 12 hours a day. And then when I wasn't rowing, I'd be eating. Um, sometimes I would jump in the, in the water, always tethered to the boat, but, mm-hmm. um, I would do that and scrub barnacles off the side of my, my boat or just okay. snorkel and see the fish that were following. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I tried to write a, a blog every other day, but, um, I would listen to like a lot of music and there was one day of the 70 that I just like watched Harry Potter movies on a little iPod touch and like mm-hmm. ate a bunch of chocolate and felt sorry for myself. So like <laughs> only one day out of the whole trip. That's amazing. <laughs> wow. Um, and you, how did you prepare for like what to eat or how much food or water were you able to bring or fit? I, I mean, I saw pictures of the boat. It didn't look very big. Yeah. So for water, I didn't actually, I had ballast water, which helped if my boat flipped, it would help it with itself riding. Okay. So I had two solar panels that were powering all my electronics and mm-hmm. the desalinator is what converted the salt water into drinking water. Okay. And then um, I did, ha- I mean, it, I didn't have any like refrigeration, so it was all the freeze dried meals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't like MREs because if anything had liquid in it, then that's just extra weight. And it was already a thousand pounds. Um, so it was those freeze dried meals. I, um, boil water in a jet boil stove and then just, pour it in and wait a few minutes. Um, but then I also had like a sprouting kit. So Mm -hmm. I had something fresh. Um, I had protein powder. I had electrolyte mixes. I had, um, lots of chocolate bars. I mean, it was just, yeah, getting enough calories Mm -hmm. to sustain, but, um, my nutrition for like, say an Ironman or like a hundred mile run is very like more, like much more like scientific. Yeah. What percent is this? Like, yeah. Like my last big endurance challenge, it was, um, a 33 hour run, like nonstop. Mm -hmm. And so that one was just liquid, like just a certain, liquid um it's like a hammer nutrition perpetuum type beverage so um yeah i was able to eat kind of pretty much whatever there wasn't Mm -hmm. well and what were some of the like while you were out there obviously you said this is a different sort of challenge because it's not like there's no way out you know you're there and you're on your own and you have to keep going um but were there moments where you thought like, wow, I don't know if I can finish this or maybe I'm not going to make it or what were some of the, like the hard moments that you had and then how did you overcome those? So usually whenever I do like an endurance challenge, halfway is like the, the moment because once you reach halfway, you're like closer to the end than where mm-hmm. you can, you can figure out like how, like, yeah, like even in like Ironman races, like once you get to the halfway point, the that's when the race really begins. Like usually it's just a, a super big boost moment to mm-hmm. reach halfway of any feat. 
But for me, it was the most defeating halfway. Oh. I was like, I gave everything. I feel like I have nothing left. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine doing that again. And like, <laughs> I had some sleeping meds and it was just as a, like an emergency. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't sleep because like flying fish would hit the side of the cabin. Mm-hmm. and Like it would be constantly moving. And so... I had no guaranteed night of sleep and like, oh, wow. that's how you recover. So just like, that was probably the hardest moment of, of my journey. And I called a friend that also rode the Atlantic and um, just giving me space to be like, I think when you're in those low moments, it's important to have the right person who kind Mm -hmm. of gets it Mm -hmm. like I know that like if it's dangerous to your health like I think there's certain moments where the best thing a friend could do is say let's get out of here your this is your health is more important if you're you know if you're risking your long-term health for this one-time race then Mm -hmm. but in this situation that's not really what I what I needed I just needed to be heard I needed to feel understood Mm -hmm. and because uh he also rode the Atlantic I think that was really reassuring to know that you could feel like this and so um yeah I think now looking back it's like that is the moment where you discover your limits because if you don't hit those walls you don't know what's beyond it so like to me you know those those moments are almost the ones you want to lean into those are the moments where you get to be like wow this is another level these are the moments where um you know, those, those moments were what the challenge was all about to, to, Mm -hmm. to say hello, to watch it pass and then Mm -hmm. just keep going. So I definitely, um, you know, some of the worst times to make decisions are when you're like tired or or frustrated or emotional. So in that moment, all I needed really was to feel the feeling and just Mm -hmm. uh, stay true to what, what I was out there to do. Wow. And I, I love that, that concept of, of having the right people there to talk to in those moments, because it's so true, you know, depending on who you go to for advice, you could get completely end up with a completely different direction. And so being able to like have those people in your life that, you know, are people that are going to be there for you and, and guide you in the ways that you want to be guided and who to go to for certain situations is so valuable. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a hard position to be in because like the people that care about you the most don't want you to suffer and struggle and and they want to take that away, but also see that there's a strength that, that there's, there's more, in you to, to give. And mm-hmm. so, um, I mean, it would be like pretty shocking to not go through that. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, yeah, yeah, it was a, a definitely mm-hmm. a gift to be able to have someone and have people, um, to go to. For sure. 
And so what was the point where you got, you know, you knew you were so close to the finish line, you knew you were going to finish. And then what did it feel like to finally reach the shoreline? So, um, okay. So I was about a hundred miles away and I had like 25 foot waves. And so I was like, Oh shoot. Um, I won't be able mm -hmm. to land because I would need a boat to tow me in. Otherwise okay. I, you have to have, first of all, there's not many places to land and you mm -hmm. kind of have to land in an official port or mm -hmm. like, and if I tried going to land, then I would need a tow boat and mm -hmm. if it was a tow boat, it would not be a solo problem. Right. That defeats the purpose <laughs> so, of everything you worked so, so hard for. I ended up adding 400 more miles and rowing <laughs> two countries west because my weather guy, we were like, we knew that it was hit or miss, like with the currents because mm -hmm. there was a strong current there. But um, yeah, we knew that there was another option and that was to keep rowing to uh, Georgetown, Guyana. And okay. that ended up being a better place just yeah, it was, it was, I wasn't fighting any big waves. And so um, my end was longer than I expected, but I, I packed for like 70 to a hundred days and the journey ended up being 70 days. So um, yeah, as term, in terms of making that decision and factoring in what, what, I still had left. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I ran out of at that point was like Snickers bars. Well, but other than that, I was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good motivation to get to shore then, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Um, so I've seen you talk about then what life was like after coming home and after that accomplishment, obviously tons of attention and everybody wanting to hear your story and talk to you. And then you sort of went through this um, period of feeling sort of empty, like you had made this huge accomplishment, but still were feeling really down. And I, and I can only relate it to talking to, you know, or, or experiencing people who've, who've ex talking to people who've experienced other big achievements, like Olympic athletes after the Olympics and like very young and feeling like, wow, now where is, what is my life's purpose or what is it that gives me meaning? Um, and so I'd love to, to talk more about that and what that period was like for you and then how you ended up kind of digging deeper and finding your meaning and your purpose that you have now. Yeah. So it was definitely like, very like to reach that and then to to have feelings of like well what's the point like and I I think that what I can identify or see in myself was like my identity and my worth was in endurance like I'm only as good as how many miles I can run mm -hmm. and and so um that I I think like well, now I, I'm, I am a Christian and, um, one of my friends, um, who is also like from Cleveland and we mm -hmm. did some, uh, volunteer work together, working for a, a nonprofit. Um, and it was really just her sharing her faith and doing it in a way that I 
I knew like rules and what she mm-hmm. was sharing was more like relationship. And it was just like this curiosity. And so um, she invited me to, to her church and um, it was, yeah, it was really just like becoming a Christian that it made me aware and made me see that there's more and that like, yeah, that, that my mm-hmm. purpose and my identity is, is in Christ. And so, um, yeah. That's so beautiful. And I can relate on so many levels because I think, and I think so many people listening can too, because I think it's so easy to make achieving sort of the focus and that can seem like it's giving you purpose and you do one achievement and then you move on to what's next, what's next. And you're constantly chasing the next thing. And, you know, you talk about in endurance, how many miles have you run? But I think for people doing CrossFit, it could be, you know, how much weight am I lifting or how many times did I work out this week? Or what's my time on my friend time or whatever it might be that you're constantly chasing. Um, and then realizing that, you know, chasing these achievements, like you're, it's almost like you're trying to fill something else that isn't there. Um, and so it was, I think I heard you talk about in a, in a video about this lie that love is earned and realizing that, you know, you always have like you, when you no longer attach that and you have this like never ending love from God, you can be free from sort of that, um, feeling like you need to be constantly chasing something that, that those achievements are giving you worth or meaning in your life. Yeah, exactly. And like, I think one of my fears of like becoming a Christian was like, Oh no, this means that now all these things that, that bring me joy. I mean, by not having a relationship with God, I, I feel like, um, the very gift became a weapon because it was Mm -hmm. more like it, it crossed that line of being healthy, like, um, just like pushing too far and, um, caring too much and it becoming more bringing more anxiety than, than joy. And so what's been really cool from my experience is like, I, I thought that I'd have to give that up because I thought, oh, the problem is that I'm just like way too into this and I need a break. But now I see like, because God comes first and endurance is, you know, not the God, like I mm-hmm. almost feel like unless you, unless God, something else becomes your God, whatever you mm-hmm. focus on, whatever your, most of your attention on is on is almost like your your God, whatever you're, you're worshiping or dedicating your, your energy towards. So, um, what I've experienced now is like, because it's not number one, it's, it's kind of a greater joy than, Mm -hmm. than what it was, um, when I didn't. Mm -hmm. So does that make sense? Totally. And it's like, you almost, it's almost like you, you get more joy from it and you can um, even sometimes push yourself further because it's like just a way of, of sharing your gifts or like being able to express that, um, that love instead of feeling like it's this fear or anxiety that like you have to keep going or doing better or like somebody's gonna, you know, even, even like thinking about what other people might think about your performance. It's like that kind of stuff starts to fall away. 
Um, and I can totally relate to on what you said about going from rules to a personal relationship. Cause I think that is the exact same thing that happened for me. I think I had heard you say before that you were, you grew up Catholic and I was the same. And for me, religion was always about these rules. But then when I finally started to have and understand more of this personal relationship, it just completely changed and, and brought on so much more meaning for how, you know, how I was living my life. So wow. that's amazing. Um, you said that, um, after sort of having this personal relationship with God, you started to look back at your life and realize some of the moments that God was with you during the things that you had done before. Can you give any examples of that? Like, what are some of those moments that you see? So like, it could even be like, um, I mean, looking back at the row, like God's hand is in all things, but like, um, I remember like a moment where I was reaching the fourth way mark and I wanted to do something to celebrate and I wasn't sure what it was and, and, uh, what, what to do. And then like mm -hmm. a pot of dolphins surrounded my boat. I think, yeah, it's easy to say that this is just like chance or coincidence, mm -hmm. but like, there's so many moments like that. Um, and then just like hard moments too, like, um, just redirecting me when I thought it was the end, it wasn't, it was just kind of opening up a, a different door and, mm -hmm. um, bringing me into a different direction. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I, I can relate to that too. Just seeing these things that seem like coincidences, but once you see enough of them and you just know, like you have this feeling like this is not just a coincidence. <laughs> um, and also how you describe that moment, of, like, you know, one of your hardest moments out there on the water, like being able to understand and appreciate how those are the moments that are shaping you and making you better. And like, the, like you said, those are the moments you want. You wouldn't have expected to do this and not have those moments. Um, so it gives you a different appreciation for when you experience struggle or challenge. I have like a lot of friends that are more like engineering, like our brains, I don't uh -huh. know, it's like more like that. And so whenever, you know, we always are reminding ourselves like, it's because we're human and feel <laughs> you felt that's all you do. You just feel them. Like, yes, you don't do anything. You don't change your whole life because you feel something. No, you feel them because we're not robots. <laughs> oh, it's so true. It's so true. That's something I've been learning in my life a lot because um, I think before I tried to be a robot and tried to think like, Oh, you can control everything. And, and you end up numbing so many emotions when, you know, yeah, there's, there's painful emotions, but there's also amazing, beautiful emotions that you are depriving yourself of when you numb everything. Yeah. And that's just part of being human. Like you said. Um, I also want to touch a little bit on body image. Cause you've talked to about, um, how endurance and especially ultra running has helped you to really switch your focus and your mentality from like looking at what your body is capable of doing and accomplishing instead of necessarily what it looks like. And I think that's something that CrossFit did for me. And I think it's done for a lot of other people who are listening. Um, and so could you talk just about that process for you and how you, you know, how you now think about, you know, your body and your body image? So, um, yeah, I, I think it was definitely really challenging at first because it was like, 
I mean, even right before the row, there was something in like the New York Times and it was like, she doesn't look like she could do it. She doesn't have like, <laughs> <laughs> like they, it was just like saying how we didn't have big muscles. I was like, I don't know. Okay. Well, watch me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Sometimes I'll do like speaking engagements and it's like after the fact and people will be like, you don't look like, it doesn't look like, you, you know, like my veins aren't popping out at them. I don't know what I'm supposed to look like, but I don't match their expectation. And so uh, 20 year old Katie, like definitely like was like, oh, I should change or I, I don't know. I was more, um, concerned like in that way but and even I mean it's it's definitely something that is isn't something you have to continue to practice is like re-guiding and redirecting mm -hmm. your focus and like even before this last ultra marathon it was like 138 miles running um non-stop and I was like okay I'm just gonna lose five or 10 pounds and then I'll train for it. And then I'll, because like, <laughs> yeah. usually it's like you focus on that before you yeah. focus on building and endurance. And, um, my body, like, I think it has a pretty natural, like set point. Like mm -hmm. even when I rode across the Atlantic, I weighed myself before and after, and it was the same. So like, wow. I, I think it just kind of stays. And so, I kind of threw that rule out the window and was like, because I was like, Oh, I, I, as a runner, you have to be lean or you're going to be injured. And I was making all these stories up about like, mm -hmm. and then I just kind of did it and was like, okay, well, we'll see. And, and I didn't have to become smaller just to be able to do something big. And so, mm -hmm. um, our bodies can do so many amazing things. And, um, it's almost like, sorry, body for like telling you, you, you need to be something that you're, you're not. And so, um, I would, yeah, I, I think endurance has just because it's, it's blown me away by how far and we can go and, and, um, that, now I just see it as more like a celebration of our bodies and um, more about like, I mean, with this body, like it's all the adventures have gotten um, raised funds for clean water. So with this body, people have clean water with this body. I can explore um, the country, like biking across the country with this body, like, there's just so many cool things that our bodies allow us to do. So it's really just focusing on that, um, looking at the gift and the ability rather than focusing on, you know, what we think it should be or. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. I, that's a great segue. Cause I wanted to ask you about the mission that you have to bring clean water to communities around the world. And I know you've raised money for different organizations that do that through, through your different challenges, but how did you, um, how did you decide that that was something that was important to you? And that was something that you wanted to raise money for? So it was about the same time that I was learning about, um, ocean rowing and doing some of my first endurance challenges. 
that I was, I was um, doing a exchange program and I, I was studying in Australia and they were experiencing a, a drought. And so on all the major headlines, it, it was about like when you could um, wash your car at this time or this time, if you could mm. wash or uh, water your lawn or like there were, and it was a very developed country. So just seeing everyone freaking out about water, I was like, whoa. Uh, and, and being born and raised in mm-hmm. Cleveland, um, I, it's just something I always took for granted. I was like, what do you mean? We just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've got water everywhere. <laughs> and so one of my professors mentioned the wars of the future will be on water. And in some countries, it's already the case. And I was, and that was kind of like the little nugget that all the questions came and all the curiosity. And, and I just, I couldn't believe it. Like, and I know that there are so many amazing causes to get behind. And what is cool about water is you can get behind all those other amazing causes because mm-hmm water enables kids to go to school. So now it's, it's youth. Now it's Mm -hmm. education. Water um, enables women to not collect water and freeze them to do other things. So it's Mm -hmm. women empowerment. It's, it's environmental, it's health. Half of the Mm -hmm. hospital beds in the world are uh, filled because of unsafe drinking water. So um, when you look at what water can do for a community and um, there was a new documentary that Matt Damon said something about it. Like, imagine we had the cure for childhood cancer. And then in 50 years, there's still all these children with cancer. Like mm-hmm. we already have solutions. It's just yeah. funding. And I mean, there's, there are other challenges, but what's also encouraging is that there are solutions and there Mm -hmm. is progress being made. And, um, I've been raising funds for clean water for a a decade now and, and the numbers have been going down. And I think Liberia, it might be the first country that, um, went from not having water to, to Mm -hmm. having clean water for their whole country. So like, wow things are happening and, and it doesn't take much. Like some of the solutions are as little as like $20 for $10 or $20 for 10 years worth of clean water, depending on the, the, the filtration system. But usually with the water projects, it's also uh, includes hygiene and Mm -hmm. hygiene education and like sanitation so Mm -hmm. um it's not just here's clean water it's okay here's clean water here's how washing your hands here and here's so going to the bathroom so that their water source can stay clean that's amazing that's amazing and i know you are gearing up for another big event later this year correct biking across the main coastline so 308 miles um, so how can one, how are you preparing for that? And two, how can people who want to support and support your clean water efforts get involved? Oh yeah. Um, so I have a website, it's katiespots.com mm-hmm. and there is a link. Um, I think it says like give water and that it hundred percent goes to H2O for life. And, um, 
the fundraising goal for that is to fund a clean water project in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I will be, uh, sharing photos and updates about, um, the journey. And Mm -hmm. it really was like, it, I go into like very intense, like, okay, running across the whole state in one go. And then (laughs) also like, knowing that it can just be like exploring your own backyard and Mm -hmm. um, sharing that. So this one um, is more adventure based than, than pushing the limits, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's great. And I know also, so you, you know, you ran across the state of Maine, you moved to Maine um, and you're in the station in the Coast Guard there. And you talk about your decision to join the Coast Guard and, um, what kinds of things that you're doing there? Yeah. So I, uh, was on a run with a friend and okay. I'm really looking for, like, she knows me very well and knows that like, I, I love, um, service and, and challenges. And, um, so she suggested the Coast Guard and asked me if I ever considered it. And, um, my answer was yes, a long time ago. And, and so I went online and it was like, oh, the age cutoff is 29. So I was like, oh, <laughs> better get on that. <laughs> so, um, you know, adventures really, uh, took a lot of my, my focus in my twenties. And, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, enlisted in 2018 and then at the same time I enlisted I submitted a packet to be considered for officer candidate school and Mm -hmm. got accepted so um, that training was in 2019 and I am um, in incident management so right now as a junior officer it's all about um, it's really a learning tour and Mm -hmm. so learning all these different qualifications. And, um, I just wrapped up a qualification for boat crew and just, yeah, getting out on the boats and understanding how the boats work. And right now I'm doing a pollution, um, uh, training and Mm -hmm. that's, and then there's lots of different collaterals, but it's the response department ashore. So I'm not out on the water, but, I did do that as part of my officer training. That's amazing. Well, thank you for your service in so many different ways. That's so cool to see, um, you know, probably how all of the different experiences you've had have helped prepare you for that too. Um, what is your typical day or week look like now? So with the Coast Guard, my schedule is pretty like, Sat may like we usually get in seven thirty to around three thirty, mm-hmm. and um, one thing that is very nice about the Coast Guard is we do have like workout hours, so okay, um, that are like authorized during the workday. So most of us do are able to train during during um, the day, and um, I do have a lot of new friends here, and um, I spend a lot of my free time working on like different charitable like campaigns and projects mm-hmm. so like this month um we're myself and 31 athletes are doing this like 31 for 30 3.1 challenge 
Oh, so cool. we're all running 3.1 miles every day for the month of March in honor of World Water Day because that's March 22nd. Okay. And, um, raising $31 for the water project. And someone mm-hmm. just actually matched all the donations. So wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I always love that's kind of whenever I'm not mm-hmm. or um, working. That's kind of where else I put my time. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, well, I want to start wrapping up with three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. So the first one is, what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Uh, the three things, um, like one would be like relationship with God, like whether that mm-hmm. means prayer, going to church, um, being with my church community, um, Two would be sleep. I think Mm -hmm. that's like. Now that you don't have waves and (laughs) flying fish hitting you, you're able to get some sleep. (laughs) And um, I say doing something that you love and what you enjoy. So Mm -hmm. like, I mean, running does bring me joy, but so does like doing puzzles and hanging out with my friends. I think, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. God time, sleep time, friend and fun time. I love it. I love it. Also, I have to ask, because I've heard you also did a meditation retreat at one point that we were meditating for like 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day. Um, can you talk about that? Because that's also really hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> so my friend was cycling across Thailand and that's just so normal like oh my friend was cycling across Thailand of course I have friends who do that too. <laughs> and we, we cycled across America together <laughs> he told me that he just he was like at a monastery and volunteering and he did this 10-day retreat it's called Vipassana okay. Okay. So you can do them anywhere in the world. But after he did the retreat, he's like, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And then that's all you need to say. And I'm like, sign me up. I'm in. <laughs> so was it? Was it the hardest thing you've ever done? Uh, it was really hard. Yeah. 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 It was like, I feel like when I was on the row, I had scenery and music and like something to mm-hmm. do and like, I mean, truthfully, I think that the meditation was so helpful because like, yeah, my circumstances may be different, but the process is the same, which is like, you know, allowing and just the thought to rise and then fall and then rise and then fall without reacting to it. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, sometimes when, I mean, it was, it was, uh, there were other people there, but you couldn't read, you couldn't write, you couldn't have eye contact. Um, the reading part was probably the hardest for me, like yeah. not even read. So it was really just like clearing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, sometimes when I talk to friends about like meditation, they're like, but my brain, I'm so scattered and everything. I'm like, well, then you're doing it. All you're doing is you're aware that your brain is scattered. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> So like, I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of different techniques and, but it's a very like 
basic like there's a hour-long video you watch at night um like to guide you through what you're you're doing but Mm -hmm. um it was I I did it before the row after the row and then I did it another time but um yeah it was it was it was definitely worthwhile Mm -hmm. but um I don't know one of when I was working doing doing the last one um my boss was familiar with this. And so she's like, Oh, the first t- 10 days when you're out is like part of it too, because it kind of like solidifies everything. And I was like, mm. Oh, like, good point. Yeah. Wow. Do you do much meditation now? Is that something you do regularly? Um, I feel like my running is almost mm-hmm. like a form of meditation for sure. For sure. Okay. Sorry. I got sidetracked. My next question was, what is one thing that you think would have a positive impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? Um, oh, uh, one thing I'm working on that would have a positive impact is, um, prioritizing and saying no. Like, mm, yes. I That's like hard. That. that's hard I'm sure we can all get better at that that's great all right my last question is what does a healthy life look like to you Katie um let's see I, I I guess like the most important thing is your mind right like Mm -hmm. and so I think the healthiest place that I can imagine is like caring more about God's will than my own Mm -hmm. and and like God does will for us like he does say that our bodies are temples and to treat it as as such so like um I think yeah just to put God first yeah I love it. That's a beautiful note to end on. Well, thank you so much. This has been great. And it's been so great to hear about sort of the the inside story of so many of the accomplishments um, that you've had, because like you said, you know, you might see, okay, here's Katie Spots who's accomplished all these incredible endurance feats, but there's so much more to who you are as a person and everything that went into it. And like who you are that allowed you to be able to accomplish those things that I'm excited for people to be able to learn from. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people. 